Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. How you doing, everyone? I'm Russ Salzberg, and I want you all to listen up and get a load of this. Question for you. When does racism stop being an excuse? You know what I'm talking about. When in doubt, when in trouble, cry racism. It's that easy. And what about protests? When is it the right time and when is it the wrong time to protest? And what about the consideration of others? Huh? How about that? So like I said, listen up, because as always, you're really going to want to get a load of this. All right. Racism. Listen, I'm not naive. None of you, my faithful listeners, are naive. I don't think so. We know that racism does indeed exist. To say that it doesn't would be simply, it's beyond head in the sand. It would be moronic. However, racism is becoming, in my estimation, far, far too easy. It's like the old crying wolf. When in doubt, here we go. Let's cry racism. Because racism gets people's attention. The thought of a racist slur gets people to stand up, turn their heads. What's that all about? And the most recent, widely recognized example was the Cleveland Browns' Miles Garrett. Because Miles Garrett was involved in that ugly, ugly, horrible brawl. Miles Garrett uh, of the Cleveland Browns involved in that ugly, ugly brawl. What was it, two weeks ago? Less than two weeks ago? That ugly brawl with the Pittsburgh Steelers in which he cracked Steelers quarterback Mason Rudolph over the head with his helmet. With Rudolph's helmet. Anyway, you all know, well, maybe you don't know, but for his despicable actions Garrett was suspended for the remainder of the season rightfully so it was one of the most ugliest insane on-field attacks that I had ever seen and quite frankly Garrett is very very fortunate 
that Rudolph, I don't know if, if he's got a hard head or everybody's just fortunate that there was not serious damage. Like a head split open, blood spurting down, serious concussion, knocked out. A bunch of bunch of ugly, ugly, ugly things could have happened. And it would have made the com- the the situation worse. So for those actions, he was suspended for the remainder of the year. I mean, it's going to cost him, I think, in excess of, I don't know the exact numbers of a million dollars from salary or whatever, and it should. For his action, it being involved in it, Mason Rudolph was fined $50,000. There were tons of people fined and... I think there were 33 fines and suspensions. Uh, fines and or suspensions. But, okay. So then, Miles Garrett goes to appeal his suspension. Goes before the league office. Uh, he lost his appeal. But then, it gets leaked out. Now, where the leak came from, I don't know, and that's a whole other issue which I'll get into. But I'm kind of glad. I don't like when these leaks come out. Let me let me just say that I don't like when they come out because uh, an in-house discussion should indeed remain an in-house discussion. But you never know where the leak comes from. In this case, word of it they say came from you know sources. Well. Here are the sources. The sources could have been somebody in the NFL office. The sources could have been could have been Miles Garrett himself sitting there, or if he had an agent in there. You never know. They always say well sources say, but you don't know where it came out. Well, what indeed did come out was that Miles Garrett claimed that he was reacting to a racial slur out of the mouth of Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph is white. Miles Garrett is black. Okay. Now, let's use a little bit of common sense here. I was not in the the brawl, but let's let's kind of look at the picture that happened and use just a little teensy, weensy, weensy, eensy, bitsy, teensy, weensy bit of common sense. After the incident, after the brawl happened, Miles Garrett stood at his locker. Quite frankly, very remorseful. Let his actions and everything get away ahead of him, out of control, uh, stood at, at his locker and answered the questions. He goes to the appeal and claims a racial slur. Now, I got to tell you, not that Miles Garrett's actions are excusable in any way, shape, or form. They are not. 
Because quite frankly, even if there was a racial slur involved, his actions were, are unacceptable. But I would say this. I would definitely say this. Had Miles Garrett standing at his locker said right out of the gate, well, I'm sorry. You know, what I did was wrong, damn wrong. I made an ass of myself. It was unacceptable, but I'm sorry. When somebody uses a racial slur at me, now we don't know what it was. I don't know, call them the N-word, whatever it was. I'm assuming something like that, okay? But you tell me. I guarantee you this, as sure as I'm sitting here and as sure as you people are listening to it, you know it as well. Had Miles Garrett said right out of the gate, I'm sorry I reacted, but when somebody calls me a racial slur, then I really lose it. I guarantee you there would have been far more sympathy and understanding for Miles Garrett and understanding of his actions. Common sense will tell you that. I, but believe me, if, if I would have heard right that out of his mouth, I know me, I would have said, well, you know what? The dope uh, Rudolph deserved it. But give me a break, folks. I'm going to tell you, in my estimation, what happened. Miles Garrett wasn't thinking fast enough on his feet to use racism as as an easy excuse here to get out of trouble or to minimize his trouble. He thought about it too late. He thought about it too late. Because had he said it right away, believe me, this narrative would have been a little bit different. A little bit, in fact, a whole lot different. And you know what, folks? I'm not seeing a whole lot of sympathy now for, for Garrett after it came out of this alleged cry of racist remarks. And you know what that tells you? That tells you a whole lot of people aren't believing of Miles Garrett. Now, Mason Rudolph clearly denies the accusation. Says it never happened. And I kind of tend to believe Mason Rudolph. Now, if if you want to be really cynical and say, well, Russ, yeah, of course you're going to believe Mason Rudolph because you're the white guy and he's the white guy. How about this? Mason Rudolph is the quarterback on a team with a lot of his teammates are black. Mason Rudolph is the quarterback on a team where his head coach is black. Do you really, really think common sense 
do you really, really think that's going to come out of his mouth? A racial slur? I don't think so. I don't think so. It's just too easy to come out with these accusations. And folks, the minute you hear any kind of racist attack, it gets everybody's attention. In, In news, whether it's local, whether it's national, any kind of racial issue, racist attack, bingo. And, you know, I say this all the time because it's it's an attention getter. It's sexy. It's juicy. Everybody eats it up. And as I said, I am not naive. I know racism exists. I know it exists. But that does not make using it as an excuse right. It's as wrong as being a racist is is wrong. Because quite frankly, that's a form of... Crying wolf about racism is a form of racism in itself. And the reason this really bothers me because this is coming in the past year off... And you've heard me talk about Jesse Smollett before, the clown from uh, formerly of the show Empire. Jesse Smollett claiming racist attack and, and, you know, a noose put around his neck and bleach on him. And it was all unfounded. It was all unfounded. Charges dropped. It was all unfounded. And Jesse was proven to be a fraud. But racism makes it sexy. And, and I'll tell you what, when I first heard about it, when I first heard the story, you know, black man, gay, you know, his alleged attackers, MAGA hats, the whole business. Even though this was a bullshit story, there was still sympathy for poor Jussie Smollett. That's when people don't use common sense. And I'm even talking about his fellow cast members. Oh, he's fine. He's he's a fine person of character. You know, all this business. He's kind, he's compassionate, he's honest. Above all, this is, this, I'm talking about quotes from his fellow workers. Above all, he is filled with integrity. Jesse Smollett is filled with integrity? Folks, forget about pulling your head out of the sand, pull it out of your asses. What kind of integrity pulls bullshit like that? Yeah, I'm just reading. I'm here throughout. Uh, I'm just reading uh, 
a plea that was signed by castmates. Okay? Throughout Empire's five seasons worketh with Jussie and watching how he has conducted himself throughout this dramatic event, we have come to know not just the character Jussie portrays, but also truly come to know Jussie's personal character. He's kind. He's compassionate. He is honest. Oh, really? And above all, he is filled with integrity. He is also innocent and no longer subject to legal uncertainty with the criminal charges against him having been dropped, which that we all know was a scam in itself. We are confident in his lawyer's assurance that the case was dismissed because it would not have prevailed. Oh, okay. So like I say, remain with your head up your asses. Racism is too easy. It's too damn easy. And the reason it angers me so much because when it's true, it's just as ugly as ugly can be. And listen, you're talking, this guy here talking to you is a guy raised in the 60s, 50s and 60s. You know, I was raised on a civil rights era. I was raised on Dr. King. I was raised on watching the marches in Alabama. I was raised on a church that's being blown up in Alabama. I was raised on the fire hoses and the attack dogs. So I'm fully aware, friends of mine, when I was a student at Brooklyn Tech, I, I used to hear their stories and their parents' stories of racism. So I get it. But while I do get it, I do not accept cries of false racism. The chief of police in Chicago's black. You don't think he wanted to get to the bottom of this? But when he got to the bottom of this, he knew that Jesse Smollett was full of shit. Okay? So then they wanted... To sue for a hundred, suing for one hundred and thirty thousand dollars for all the time spent wasting their time on investigating the Jesse Smollett claim. And poor Jesse says, "Well, wait a minute. I've already given up enough. I gave up my ten thousand dollar bail." And he was damn glad to give up his ten thousand dollars bail. But the balls on Jesse Smollett. He's countersuing for malicious attacks from the Chicago police. Can you imagine? This guy who's charged with lying to the police about a bigoted attack, now he's countersuing. According to his lawyers, Having agreed to accept 10000 from Mr. Smollett as payment in full connection with the dismissal of the charges against him, the city cannot seek additional recovery from Mr. Smollett under the doctrine of accord and satisfaction. I, I mean, I'm not a lawyer, okay? But give me a damn break. I mean, I mean, he's saying, th- this is a joke. 
that the police had disseminated false and misleading information, leading to media reports that Smollett might have orchestrated, might have orchestrated the alleged attack. The two brothers that were involved with him cooperated with the The whole thing is ridiculous. But again, this is the danger. The reason I'm so, I'm bringing this up in relation to the Miles Garrett situation, the reason I'm bringing it up, because this is what racism, cries of racism does. It's a bullshit story, and people still are swallowing, swallowing this story. This, this business of countersuing just is like a week old. This is fresher than uh, the uh, Miles Garrett situation. It's ridiculous. It does not. The biggest crime of this is that when you pull shit like this, it lets the yahoos, it lets the real racist yahoos out there say, see what I told you? See what I mean? And then it makes real claims taken too lightly. I'm sorry. This crap has to be totally unacceptable. I mean, I I said this way back. I'll say it now. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if what Jussie Smollett did a white person did claiming a racist attack from black people and then the white guy was proven to be a liar just like Jesse Smollett you know what you know what kind of outcry you'd have uproar from the african american community and they would have been justifiably right in doing so that's what shit like this does So as far as I'm concerned, people got to wise up. This this cries, these cries of racism as an excuse has to stop. And I implore all sides, white, black, blue, green, yellow, turquoise, polka dot, stripes, whatever the hell you are. This garbage has to stop. It's too dangerous. It's racism is a powder keg and to light the fuse is too damn easy. So you want to believe the Jesse Smollett's you want to believe the Miles Garrett's be my guest. Now, I'm not even going to say that be my guest. I'm going to say, don't be stupid. You got to be smarter than that. Miles Garrett, all of a sudden, yeah. Four days later, whatever the hell it was, when he's making his appeal, yeah. And and then he wanted to make sure, he was very upset that that, those claims of racism wasn't going to be made public. 
Well, why the hell would you not want it to be made public? You, you've been, you've looked like a raving lunatic on a field. You've been run through the ringer. Up and down, in and out. Beaten up in the media. Are you kidding me? Are you really kidding me? And I'm supposed to believe those cries of racism? You you want to, you come out with it later, and then you wanted it kept quiet. Oh well, well let, let me go into the office and tell me call me this and that, and you know maybe it'll save my ass a little bit. Come on, who the hell are we? Do you really think everybody is moronic? I guess you do, because that's what that's what racism does. The topic of racism, oh, it gets everybody's attention gets everybody's attention. It's got to stop. Crying racism is just too easy. Not only is it too easy, but it's an injustice to anybody who has suffered at the real hands of racism. Shit's got to stop. Now, another thing that really bothered me over the weekend, this past weekend, was the Harvard-Yale football game, the Yale Bowl in New Haven, this past Saturday. Really, it really bothered me. And... I, I'd i be lying if I didn't say to you I have my own concerns about climate change. I do. I understand it. I, I you know, I, and I also try to understand both sides. Which, in our country today, nobody wants to listen to the other side. Whether it's politics, whatever. It's either my side or no side. That's just the way it seems. But anyway, in case you're not aware, during the Yale-Harvard game, at halftime, which, by the way, Yale was playing, it was important for Yale to win the game because if Yale would win, which they subsequently did, they would end up 9-1 and and a share of the um, Ivy League championship with Dartmouth. All right, so at halftime, hundreds of spectators stormed the field at the Yale Bowl in protest, calling action to climate change. All right, now listen to me. I believe in protesting when it's just. I also understand at times when the climate change protesters protest. But call me whatever you want, but I also think 
there's a time and a place and there is consideration of others. As fellow, as, especially others who are part of your community. And when I say part of your community, I'm talking about the Harvard and Yale football players, the Harvard and Yale athletic departments. All right? So the game was delayed approximately an hour, maybe a little less, maybe a little more. And basically because the elbow doesn't have lights, it was the end of the game was basically almost played in in darkness. Now again, I understand about protests, and I I understand you want to stage for a protest. I get that. Like people say, well, we're, you know, if, what we're, what are we going to do a protest where nobody can see us? Then it doesn't bring uh, attention. I I understand that. But you could have made loud protests in the stands. You also didn't have to disrupt disrupt your fellow students, your colleagues. All right? You know, pamphlets were handed out when this protest was taking place. One, one line said, Our universities profit from climate injustice and, and ignore student voices. Today we take action. Well, let me say this. And if you're all going to be honest, you Harvard and Yale students, how many of your parents and you, when you get the opportunity, drive drive those big gas-guzzling SUVs, huh? And how many of you or mommies and daddies might be on, might have enough means to own a private plane or fly on those big trips for vacations and around the world? How many? Says Harvard and Yale students stand united in demanding that our universities disclose how much of their $71 billion in endowments is invested in the fossil fuel industry and Puerto Rican debt. Uh, these are demands. Divest from fossil fuel companies and cancel holdings in Puerto Rican debt. Reinvest in environmentally sustainable and socially socially responsible initiatives. And then it says here, we support and are not and are not targeting the Yale Harvard football game, but business cannot go on as usual during the climate emergency. Well, you guys and gals who go to Yale and Harvard are the cream of the crop. You're some of the brightest young minds in the country. But don't be 
naive enough to think we're naive enough to accept that we support and are not targeting the Yale-Harvard football game. Oh, yes, you are, and yes, you did. You targeted that game. That's what you did. You did. Don't say that you didn't, because you did. You know, the captain of the Harvard team, I think Harvard ended up 4-6, and six, but the captain of the Harvard team, uh, Wesley Ogsbury, he supported the protesters. And he also said that he and the Harvard players would be wearing yellow, uh, excuse me, orange wristbands because that's the color of the movement. Orange wristbands after the game in support of the protesters. Ah. After the game. Did you hear that? After the game. How about that? Or maybe if you really wanted to make an issue, even before the game started. Believe me, you would have caught people's attention. Would have caught people's attention. It it certainly would have been on the news. Now, Now, there's the captain of the football team. who believes in what the protesters are saying. We're going to wear our wristbands after the game. They didn't say we're not playing in the game. Did they? I'm sorry. Again, I'll talk about common sense, and I understand needs for protesting. But these are your fellow students. And you know what, folks? That football game, you know, some of these students, you know, it ain't easy at these Ivy League schools. And, you know, it's a lot of work. The course loads and what, it's difficult. On top of that, these kids are practicing, working hard, and competing. They work hard to get into these games. And for the Yale students, some of them who, who let's say, are seniors, even if they're not seniors, they gotta, now they own a share of the Ivy Championship. Maybe they never get another chance. Now, you might not think it's a big deal, but let me tell you what. If if you're playing it, it is a big deal. How about the thoughts of them? How about just saying, you know what? Yeah, if we do it at halftime, it's going to garner a lot of attention. But let's think for a second about the guys playing, our friends, our schoolmates, 
our colleagues. How about standing with them? Because some of them believe what we believe. But they're playing today. They're working today. Is it fair for us to disrupt what they're doing? I, 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 does anybody, that, this to me was a microcosm of what's going on in society today. And again, I, I do have my concerns about climate change. But when I say it's a microcosm, people just think about what they think about and they don't think about anything from another side or another vantage point, period. I've said this, you've heard me say it, doesn't matter. If it's left, you got to think right. If it's right, if it's left, you got to be against right. And if it's right, you got to be against left. Ditto conservative liberal, Republican Democrat. We see it each and every day. We live with it. And it's the same thing why I was pissed off about this whole cries of racism. Because it becomes, if if it's black, what are you going to say? If it's black, white has to be the enemy. And if it's white, black, that, that's what it becomes. The slogan for this country is quickly becoming my way or the highway. If you ain't with me, you're against me. There can be no in-between. And, folks, this attitude has to change real, real fast. Because otherwise, things are going to get worse, far worse, before they get better. And that's the direction we're going in right now. But right now here... That's a wrap on today, so I want to thank all of you for getting a load of this. Now I'd like to get a load of you, so let me know your thoughts on this podcast. You can tell me on Twitter at Russ Salzberg, on Facebook. You can also always check out my website at russsalzberg.com. My thanks to the big man across the way, Big Crash, a.k.a. Mike Caragliano, who always takes such good care of me. To Tim Anico, my outstanding WABCRadio.com podcast producer to my 77 WABC program director Dave Labrosi and his outstanding assistant and good friend Matt Dahl and last but certainly not least a great big thank you to you people out there because without you people out there I'd have nobody in here to be talking to so until next time it is I Russ Salzberg saying to all of you bye bye so long and farewell talk to you next week happy Thanksgiving Cheers to a great day and this ice-cold Corona. You know what would make this day even better? My grandma's carne asada. Throw in some music. We can watch the game. Or we could keep it simple. Corona, la vida mas fina. Get your Corona at ordercorona.com. Relax responsibly. Corona extra beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. 
But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.